With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Om Shabbat Shalom. Holy way of the Most High. Om Shabbat Shalom. I sense your presence. Om Shabbat Shalom. Holy way of the Most High. Om Shabbat Shalom. I sense your presence. I sense your presence. And I am the light within your soul. In the essence of truth and right, love makes the circle whole. And here we stand in line, waiting for some sacred sign. But to find the balance is the purpose of this time To restore the balance of the universal mind And in the presence of my Lord of light and love Everything I see aspiring to be free when I call to thee And come on bending knee Surrender to the all-pervading light and love Reflections of the one surrounding me with love And I sense your presence I sense your presence I sense your presence I sense your presence Within and without Above and below, yeah East, west, north and south I sense your presence Without and within Below and above, yeah, yeah East, west, north and south I sense your presence I sense your presence my Lord of light and love Everything I find in tune with the divine And here we stand in line Waiting for some sacred sign But to find the balance is the purpose of this time To restore the balance of the universal mind I am the light within your soul 
essence of truth and right Love makes the circle whole And when I call to thee And come on bending knee Surrender to the all-pervading light and love Reflections of the one surrounding me with love For to find the balance is the purpose of this time To restore the balance of the universal mind I sense your presence I sense your presence I sense your presence I sense your presence Shabbat Shalom, holy way of the Most High. Om Shabbat Shalom, I sense Your presence. Om Shabbat Shalom, holy way of the Most High. Om Shabbat Shalom. Holy way of the Most High Om Shabbat Shalom I sense your presence Om Shabbat Shalom Holy Angel of the Most High Om Shabbat Shalom I sense your presence I sense your presence Thank you for joining me here today on Captivating Compassion Radio. My name is Jessie Ann Nichols-George, and I'm your hostess today. The music you were listening to there at the beginning of the show is I Sense Your Presence. It was by Shemshai, and you can definitely check out more of Shemshai's work and their music at their website, www.shemshai.com. That's S-H-I-M-S-H-A-I.com. And if you hear a little noise in the background today, yeah, I've got a little going on because uh, it's a little bit early in the morning where I am, so I don't have my super quiet spots <laughs> around town. Um, but uh, but I'll be coming hopefully uh, from a much more quieter spot next week for you on the show. Uh, we are waiting a little bit for our guests to come on, but in the meantime, we're going to keep going through our normal pre-show kind of things that we do here and get started with things while we're waiting. Sometimes it takes a little bit to get into the switchboard and to get through on the Skype area, um, which our guest was calling in on today. So uh, bear with us here. We're going to move on with what we normally do here at the show, at the beginning of the show, and that is to welcome all of you, whether you're returning and joining us here for the very first time or whether you're coming to us uh, because you've listened to our show before and you like what we do here. We do stream live in three additional places, and that's Talk Stream Live, Streamfinder and Pen, also known as Pair Encounters Network, and I welcome everyone listening through those channels as well. Here at Activating Compassion Radio, I look at the different ways that compassion exists in our lives, how to remove our blocks, resistances, frustrations, and more, and some weeks I'm discussing different aspects of how compassion in our lives, how it affects our lives, and the different areas of compassion, and then some weeks I'm doing more exercises and practical implementations, and Many times I've got really great guests on the show, and that way it gives you a chance to learn about how other things complement and work with compassion. In addition to that, I also highlight many musical artists along the way, 
Um, I've had Stephen Halpern, Peter Cater on the show, Joe Mapson, Claire Hedin, Bruce Ciccarelli, Craig Corolla, Karen Bradstaff Moses, Sam Flipbear. Um, this year, I'm bringing musical guests on in coordination with the cycles and the seasons of the year. So that's really fun. Matter of fact, last week for the summer solstice, we had Dragon's Head on. And uh, Dragon's Head, some of you might know Daniel Michael, who is the producer of our network here at Main Street Universe, and that is his group and his band, and they just finished actually a tour around the U.S., uh, part of the U.S. anyways, and got to be in some amazing places like New Orleans, visit one of our other hosts down there, Darren Bucar, and um, it was really great to bring them on. We started uh, our, our seasonal New Year off with Woven Green, Jim and Ashley Cash, who also do a show about once a month here on the network. And then in between that, I've also had Angelia Grace, incredible, incredible voice. And I've got uh, Shashika Maruf coming up, who is based out of India um, in August. So you're going to want to watch for all of these. (laughs) What I do in my own work is I focus on helping people find and use compassion in their everyday lives. I've created the Genesis Clearing Statement, and if you missed that, you can catch it in our archives. In addition, I'm going to be doing some work here this summer um, where I'm coming from right now is Sioux Falls, and those know that I've been touring around the U.S. with my own work and the Compassion Tour that way. And here in Sioux Falls, I'm actually going to base here, I think, for the summer uh, for a little bit. I've had some things bring me back here, and so I'm going to be doing some work with the Genesis Clearing Statement live in some donation option workshop type of things uh, in the outdoors. So it's going to be really cool, and maybe even in some of the other buildings around. Who knows? If you've missed any of these things, you can catch them in our archives. I've also authored four books. You Need Life Dreams and its Companion Workbook is the first two, Activating Compassion and its Companion Workbook were my first two books. And in addition to the uh, all of that, I've got the Compassion Tour going on, which is a multi-state nationwide tour, including workshops, retreats, seminars, book signings, and fundraising events. So watch for me to show up all around the country with that as well. Just a reminder, if you enjoyed the show today, do share it with people because every time I share it, I find that there's really interesting information that ends up helping somebody out. And you never know whose life you can change. And Today's show is definitely one of those that, you know, I think my guest has some very valuable information that could be a life changer for somebody. So definitely just click that share button. Now, before we get started on everything, let's open to see what name of God that has, is, is lending energy to our show. And when I say that, I, those that have listened before know I like to delve into the 72 names of God, and that's a book by Yehuda Berg called the, the Technology for the Soul is what he likes to do. And, and Yehuda is a Kabbalah master uh, in his work. And I love his work because it's simple, it's everyday language. He, he knows how to put the, the thoughts there and bring them together into our own lives. So this then gets posted on my page of the Main Street Universe tab on my website, which is Jesse Ann Nichols George. And that way you can go back and reflect on it throughout the week and and just uh, take a look and, and see, okay, let me sit with this spot for a week and, and see how this really applies with my life. Now, the common name of God we have this week is Lost and Found. And what the initial little message is, when you want to find your way back home, 
And I mean, how appropriate could that one be to show up today <laughs> for me when I just pulled back into my hometown this morning? So uh, pretty, pretty cool how all of this comes together. And the insight that he provides on this is there are times when we find ourselves off course in the journey of life. We feel lost, bewildered, confused. Life becomes an endless labyrinth, and we don't know which way to turn. And the meditation that he gives on this is, with this name as your compass, the path toward your spiritual home is illuminated. You regain your bearings. With every step you take and with each moment that passes, you feel comfort, confidence, and a stronger sense of direction. And this is really powerful. When we talk about coming home in the spiritual sense, we, you know, are really talking about getting back to our heart center, getting connected, getting uh, reconnected with, with spirit, with divine energy. And, you know, that's the true home. And when we keep coming back to home, we can get that direction. We can get our bearings again and we get back out into the world again. And, you know, I, I feel like many people have been saying, I think you just need to sit and stop for a while. And it's interesting that everything brought me back to who Saul <laughs> to sit and stop, which is really an amazing place because there's some great little little wilderness spots surrounding here. Of course, there's the Black Hills on the, the west side of the state of South Dakota. Um, and even right in Sioux Falls, we have beautiful parks with waterfalls and things like this. And, and I can see that it's bringing me back to the center right now um, to start to open up some of the spirituality in this area because there aren't a lot of spiritual resources here. On one hand, there's a lot of Native American culture, which is very spiritually based. And then on another hand, there aren't really any spiritual resources. <laughs> so it's going to be really fun to see what portals I can open here and to see um, – what I can bring into this area. Now, a little thought before we head out onto break today and um, bring our guest in. Hopefully, hopefully he's able to get in the switchboard. I'm still waiting for him to come through at the moment. So um, we'll see what happens here. And and sometimes times get off a little bit too because he is calling in from another country. So. Um, I, you know, I got my times off a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> Some of you might have remembered that. But let me go ahead and uh, because we've got some interesting stuff we're delving into today uh, with our guest, Lauren Lockman. Now, a little thought here that I'm going to give you, and then we're going to go on break, and then we'll be back, and hopefully Lauren will be with us at that time. Have you ever done a fast for your body before? And have you ever tried eating living foods before? And how much importance do you place on keeping your body cleansed on the inside? It seems like these days more and more people are getting into juicing and a variety of methods of cleansing the body. And there are so many different nutritional plans and ways of eating that it can be mind-boggling. Each one claims that it is the answer or the solution to things. And like many things, I think sometimes we make it so complicated and detailed that it can be more hassle than it is worth. However, fasting goes back to many spiritual practices. It actually uh, has connections with many belief systems, 
synthesize having a day of breath for a day uh, of breath wasn't just about taking, you know, relaxing and taking a day off of work, but it was also about nurturing the body to cleanse itself and to rest from the various foods that it's been processing. And for many, when they think of fasting, there are fears and concerns, and this oftentimes creates a greater level of weakness or energy drain that is perhaps really happening. And there's no question that the body can be a little more challenged in the early parts of the fast as it detoxes things. However, as the fast is cut through, the body will actually gain in strength and energy as it isn't having to process so much and filter out so many toxins from it. It is the work that we expect to do day in and day out that really tends to drain it out. Now, while I've done a full water, I've really done, I should say, a full water fast, I have noticed that when I allow my body to do this, that it does function so much better for me. Matter of fact, I started fasting originally for spiritual purposes because when I was going through some courses in uh, Wicca and, and other areas, uh, that was part of my group's practices was always to fast uh, anywhere from one to seven days prior to uh, the turnings of the year. And that really allowed it, you know, an increase in my energetic energy, you know, energy in my body that way, my energetic body, <laughs> I should say, and it allowed a lightness to flow through it. So it's no wonder to me that when we are sick, that the break from everything we put uh, into our body is what oftentimes truly heals it. You know, when we get sick and we take that break and we go back to just letting our body rest from all different types of foods and get back to the basics, but oftentimes I think that's what really brings on some of the healing. Now, imagine if we honored the real principles of rest by giving this to our body to work consistently. And Lauren Lachman is one person that has created a whole retreat center around helping people with cleansing through water fast and helping them to strengthen their bodies through learning about how to use living foods for nutrition. And he has seen numerous people clear health concerns after being told that they couldn't be cleared. His journey started by working through his own health challenges. You know, I love that he has opened his face for this because I believe that it is important to have others around when doing such a cleansing of the body. And we don't just release our physical toxins, but also emotional toxins, mental toxins, spiritual toxins. As this happens, it can leave us lightheaded and at times or full of emotions that are flowing through and out of us. And the simplicity of just using water makes so much sense if we are going to go into deep cleansing, as it is the one thing that can truly release and reset almost anything. It also has a grounding effect to help us keep with things, not to mention it is easy on the body, allowing for total restoration. Now, some people will never feel comfortable with fasting, and that's okay. You know, each person is best, you know, they've got to find the flow that works for them. And I do believe, though, that a plan like what Lawrence created that follows up fasting times with live food, that allows a strong connection with our soul self and opens energy channels in a way that allows us to create health on numerous aspects of ourselves. Now, what aspects do you have with fasting? 
And how does your body feel when you give it a break from eating? Do you have a particular type of fat that you like to do? This week, we're focusing on a component of compassion related to the aspects of my book of No More Pain. And this reminds us that life doesn't have to hurt and that we are meant to live a happy and healthy life. And I'm going to take a little break here, and hopefully when I return, Lauren's going to be in my switchboard. And if not, there may just be like an hour shift in time, and hopefully he'll be with us shortly. from that time frame, so we're going to take a little break, and when we come back, uh, we are going to be on this topic today, and we may just have to talk a little bit into the show um, uh, before he comes on, but that's okay. We can do that, and we're still going to be sharing his work today. So the song I've got for you during our break is called Corridors of My Mind, and it's by Claire Hadeen, and if you'd like to find out more about Claire's work, um, you can do so through her website, that's www dot clairehedin.com and that's C-L-A-R-E-H-E-D-I-N dot com and Claire by the way is also somebody I had on my guest back in my very early shows when I started um, several years ago <laughs> several years ago well it's been you know like three years or two and a half years or something like that almost three years and uh, you can you can check out her work um we did an interview at the very end of 2012. And if you go to my page again on the, the Main Street Universe tab of my website, you'll find that. Just scroll all the way down and you'll, you'll find where we did an interview by her um, at that time. And uh, again, that's www.jessieandnicholsgeorge.com. And this is Corridors of My Mind. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes. As a tiny corner into further darkness, I almost reach you. You flee ahead of me, the air says you were just there. I stop a moment, feel the coolness of this place. Feel so bare, it feels so bare here in this
Welcome back. You are listening to Activating Compassion Radio, and uh, this is Jesse Ann Nichols George. And uh, I'm your host today. You are listening to a song called Corridors of My Mind. And uh, you know, we're working on getting our guest here. I think we might have had a little bit of a mix-up here in the time, from what I'm seeing. And um, I'm just going to take a little look here. So. What I'm going to do is I'm going to play another song for you. We're going to take another little break while we're getting our guest on, which is Lauren Lockman. I'm going to see if I can get in touch with him. I've been trying to do that here. And, um, you know, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to a guest that I don't always um, get to play, but this is an incredible song by uh, a musical guest that I had on uh, not too long ago, Bruce Ciccarelli, he was on, I think, about summer, actually, and um, this is called Carry On, and it's a, a song with a purpose, if you want to say that. We'll be back in just a few minutes. And there's no denying it's burning bright in my soul. There's a light that's shining, and the warmth it's providing is bringing hope to me. Can I carry on? song that's singing and the words it's bringing are ringing loud in my mind and the song that's singing keeps me believing in dreams You feel you can't go on 
Now, uh, the Tinglewood Wellness Center is located in Costa Rica, and it's been there since 1996. Lauren studied the relationship between diet and health since 1977. And after contracting chronic fatigue, irritable bowel, sinus infection, system, systemic candida, and 57 allergies in 1984, Lauren walked away from medicine three years later and hasn't been sick a day since. He's taught thousands in over 60 countries how to achieve these results. An original thinker, gifted speaker, frequent talk show and webinar guest, article author, Reiki master, 23-year raw vegan poet, permaculture instructor, and author of the Unconditionally Guaranteed Creating Perfect Health System. Lauren can show you how to maximize your health, guaranteed. We will be looking at your work today with live food and water fast. You can learn more about this on the website, tanglewoodwellnesscenter.com. And, you know, when I, I read all of this, I'm thinking to myself, oh, my goodness, what he was going through was so much of what I went through in my own process <laughs> along yeah. the way. And uh, yep. that's really something. And, and, Lauren, welcome to Activating Compassion Radio. It's really great to have you here and have you giving your time to us. Oh, thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be here with you. And, um, you know, it's, it's, I, for a little while I was like, oh, no, I, I'm hoping our times didn't get too messed up because that happens sometimes when we're, you know, broadcasting where the guest is on another um, country, <laughs> which yeah. you are. And, well, and, and, I'm, and, and I'm I messed sure. it up yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. a few weeks ago. So, yeah. <laughs> You know, it's, and it's not just that I'm in another country. I'm in a country I'm not usually in. I'm actually uh, beginning a European lecture tour, and I'm calling you from uh, central Germany right now. Oh, yeah. You know, just uh, a couple of months ago when we had, uh, when Weed Out Hate Day was going on, I had a guest call in from Germany. And then on May Day, I had a guest calling in from uh, Ireland. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, so yeah, we get them from all all over the world. It's really, that's I think that's exciting, and and how exciting, exciting for you to be there in Germany. Say it again. I said how exciting for you to be there, calling in from oh, Germany it, as well. It's, it's it's wonderful. Yeah, it really is. You know, so, I would love because I I gave a little introduction, but I would love for you yeah. to share, you know, a little more about your journey into your work and how you got into this and getting down to, hey, water fast, live food, stops the ticket. Okay, sure. Well, I don't want to spend too much time talking about my story because I'm not so sure it's all that interesting. In fact, you know, one of the things that that I think is interesting, Jesse, is how many people, I mean, at the time, back in 1984, I was graduating from college and within six months, I found myself so sick I could barely function. And I didn't know anybody else that was dealing with any of the kinds of things that I was dealing with at that time. Now, since then, in the many years uh, since then, I have probably met hundreds of people, if not thousands of people, with very similar kinds of conditions, um, including you. you know, it's, it's, it turns out it's actually not so unusual. These are things that a lot of people develop. And what I've, what I've learned is that it happens so frequently that people wind up with these similar kinds of things because they are inevitable results from living the kinds of lifestyle choices that we all wind up living. 
In fact, this may sound kind of crazy, but you know, most people, I think, make it through their 20s and 30s and maybe into their 40s or even 50s or 60s before they get really sick. But everybody gets really sick. I mean, you know, 80% of the population dies of cancer, heart disease, or stroke. And the rest of them aren't doing too well because they're obese or they have diabetes or they've got uh, arthritis. You know, there's, there's some other significant issues happening. I consider myself incredibly fortunate that I got so sick at the age of 23 because it completely changed the course of my life. As you said, I had started studying nutrition way back in 77. I was 16 at the time, and that was kind of unusual. But, uh, you know, I, I grew 10 inches between my uh, and 14th birthday, or 14th and 15th, I don't recall now, and I didn't gain a pound. And so I, I literally looked like a stick with a nose, and I, I desperately wanted to gain some weight and build some muscle, and I started studying nutrition with that goal in mind. And um, it served me well when I finally realized, after three years of getting worse as a result of medical care, that medicine was simply about treating symptoms. This is something that I'm sure you've realized. Many people have realized this. Um, you know, it's not really health care at all. It's really disease care. And it, it palliates symptoms. It, it helps people feel better. Uh, but it rarely actually encourages or leads somebody to a higher level of health. And so it was, it was such a wonderful thing for me because I got so sick, finally realized that I was getting worse as a result of medicine, not better. And that's what caused me to start looking elsewhere. And so you know, I realized after medicine, I went back to nutrition, and it didn't take long to realize that conventional nutrition really didn't have much to help me either. And, and I can tell you why today, after all these years of studying and practicing, it's because the, the so-called science of nutrition really doesn't understand things from a holistic perspective most of the time. You know, we're, we're not, we don't eat isolated nutrients, at least I hope not. We eat food, um, which is, you know, a complex of nutrients and calories. And, and we have to look at how our bodies interact with those things and what our bodies are actually intended for. And one of the crazy things is, you know, if you think about a supermarket in North America today, and this, this may not be true anymore. This was true probably 10 years ago. You know, I've lived out of the U.S. now for 10 years, and – um, back then, the average grocery store was 50,000 square feet and contained roughly 50,000 different items. I would suggest maybe 50 actually belong in the body. And, you know, this, this is a, it's an interesting thing because so many people think, oh, well, yeah, but what you're, you know, what you're recommending is just too limiting. There's, there's too few options. I'm not willing to give up all my options. And I completely understand that because if you had asked me, before I turned 23, before I had the problems I had, I probably would have said the same thing. But, you know, an interesting thing happened. After I completely lost my health so that, you know, I went, went from being an active 21 and 22-year-old. I was uh, playing water polo and swimming competitively in school. I rode my bicycle everywhere. Uh, you know, I was, I was fine. I was a healthy kid and was doing perfectly fine. And then I got so sick that I, I literally could barely function. I spent most of my time sleeping. I had to work because I bought a house and I was trying to cover a mortgage, but you know, I, I barely could make it through the day and spent most of my time sleeping. And so well, after that happened to me, and I, I realized that 
I would do, would have done virtually anything to get my health back. You know, if I thought it would really help, I would have done anything. And it, it, it was, again, it was such a wonderful thing because it allowed me to get really clear about what my priorities were. And I think a lot of people never actually do this, Jesse. It's, it's one of the first things I tell clients when I work with them is you, you need to be completely clear what you're committed to creating for yourself. And if someone doesn't do that, you know, it's going to be difficult to do something difficult if you're not truly committed. It, this is so true. And, you know, like you, I was a person and, and growing up around the Los Angeles region, I mean, food is what you did. Like I even had one of my exes when we traveled together at one point through California, and he's like, all your memories are related to food. <laughs> and yeah, I said, yeah. well, that's kind of what Southern California people do or, you know, California people yeah. do. Everything is based around this, this gathering. You go and eat, and that's, and you have conversation. Right. And, it's, you know, you, you leave school, and you got to work on a project together. So you go down to the Pizza Hut or wherever you go. And yeah. so, yeah, it was really based around And I didn't realize that until he said it. And that was after, you know, going through my own level of healing. But, sure, yeah, I, I think like a lot of well, people, I didn't realize all that I was doing, even though I cared about my body and I would do these little yeah. pieces along the way. Uh, right. You know, it wasn't until I really hit the issues. And I see people going through well, it today, and I'm like, just listen to me. I've been there. I've been there. Just listen. Yeah, yeah, sure. And, sure. Well, they're like, and you know, I, I, would, they're like, I would have to wonder. Yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, they're like, the doctors are saying this. And I said, I know what the doctors are saying because I've heard it. Yeah, <laughs> and I yeah said, right, right. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, again, unfortunately, it often takes, it takes having a serious health crisis and waking up enough to realize that the, the doctors, however well-intentioned they may be, you know, a doctor graduating from the best medical schools today in North America or, or here in Western Europe on average, we'll have about one three-hour lecture on nutrition, which is probably the single most important thing they could be learning with regard to health. It's not something they've studied at all. I mean, many, you know, many casual uh, study students of nutrition have, have spent a lot more time. I've probably put in thousands of hours, and the average MD yeah. has about three. So, and they're, and they're still learning what I would call outdated nutrition science. But, you know, in fact, I would have to wonder, maybe you could agree with me at this point in retrospect, what planet that X was from. Because having literally worked with people now from almost 70 different countries, and I see that the same thing is true, what you said, that most of your memories were somehow connected to food. I find that the same thing is true for people from all over the planet. It doesn't matter where yeah. they're from. This is something human beings have in common. And it's not a bad thing. It's just, it's just how it is. You know, I think well, we are tribal animals. Eating together is one of the things that we, we tend to do as a tribe. It's, it's true. And, and you notice that you go into, like, the Greek culture, and they'll spend five hours eating a meal yeah. and spread it out. You go into a lot of the European cultures, Germany. You go into the Swiss sure. cultures and some of these areas, and, again, it's, it's based around 
food. You you socialize. You put some food down. You exactly. you know exactly. You eat through yeah. throughout that time, and um, I think we've been very programmed. I was uh, fortunate that in part of my process, I mean, I was dealing with multiple doctors, having every test under the sun run. And ended right. up with a lot of surgery done, which, in reflection, if I knew then what I know now, <laughs> um, yeah, I would not have gone through all of that. I would have been able to sure. correct probably the bulk of it with a program sure. like yours. And yeah. as a matter of fact, yeah. so one of my doctors, I had such an improvement because I was going into the emergency ward unable to breathe. Um, oh and, and gasping for air and things like that, and, and my lungs weren't expanding And uh, when I was severe. And I hate when that uh, my doctor came back and said, I want to know what you're doing with your diet. And he started implementing it um, because he'd never Good. seen a turnaround like that. Yeah, yeah, wonderful. That's wonderful. I mean, it's yeah. wonderful to see an MD who's so open because, what you know, what happens so often it's really disconcerting that people, my, my clients will come back, they'll spend four to six weeks with us typically, um, and they'll come back and they'll have their incurable condition, you know, gone. And their doctor will say something like, as often as not, well, it's just a coincidence. What you did had nothing to do with the condition disappearing magically after, after I told you it would never heal. Um, yeah, it's just a spontaneous thing, and certainly wasn't because you starved yourself, right? Well, so and, and maybe it's, you it's can wonderful you had somebody that was so open. Well, yeah, they were pulmonary specialists, and this person was genuinely concerned about their patient. You know, they weren't yeah, just yeah. in it for money or whatever else. They really cared about right. their patients, and they dealt with a lot of elderly patients um, well, along the way. You know, but this, I'm... This is I'm a, thinking maybe I'm you can. I'm sorry. Yeah, I know you're. You have so ahead. much to share here, and I could have let you run here, um, and and share what you want to share, and then maybe get into a little more about what fasting is all about. Because sure. I kind of see, I kind of see what you're doing. It's it's like sleep for the body. The body needs to yeah. stop and take a break and lay down at night and rest so that it can restore. Exactly. And I feel like exactly. your program is a very similar thing on the internal level. You've got to give your body a break from all the stuff that you're yeah. putting in it. That, that, that's so that right. It exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, you know, I, I don't want to belabor it. I was going to only point out that um, I think a lot of MDs, I mean, certainly there are people throughout uh, the, the industry, throughout any industry. There are people who are in, in it strictly for the money. But I think the majority of people who become doctors and nurses and other practitioners, they genuinely want to help people. The problem, I think, is that they become so emotionally invested in what they've learned that they, they become closed to looking at other things because you know, it can be it can be hard. I mean, if you wake up one day and realize that everything you've been doing for the last 20 years really hasn't been helping very many people, that you've been moving people in the wrong direction, and often, in many cases, um, harming people as a result of medical treatment. That's it's very difficult for the average person to accept that, and so they they simply protect their egos and they you know they refuse to look at it. It's not a conscious decision. This is all going on subconsciously. But I think these are good people. They just they just get stuck because they well, so and there's a lot of there's a lot of programming there, right? 
you know, you got to do what the doctor tells you. The doctor knows best. Um, You know, there's a lot of programming, and I think when we look at the food piece, because, you know, I've tried to help people, and some people have just said, you know, I don't want to make the changes. Okay, fine. You know, I accept that that's your choice, but don't complain to me about what's going on with your health (laughs) when you won't make the changes. Exactly. And I just, I feel like, um, and I kind of lost my thought, but that's okay. But I feel like, well, you know, in this, this process, it's, we're so programmed around food, like, well, just a little bit of this is okay, or just a little bit of that's okay, or things like sure. that. But we're not, we're not really trained you know, if you're going to do that little bit, what else you need to to do? So yeah, the programming I think runs very deep for us as a culture and society. Yeah. Oh, it's there's, you know, no, here in the no U.S., it's, it's Fourth of July, no you got to have barbecues. You know, it's it's this day yeah. or that day. Well, you got to have. And that. again, honestly, honestly, it's no it's no different anywhere in the world. You know, it's not the Fourth of July in in Germany or Italy or Spain or Croatia, but. But they have their holidays, they have their customs, and their people are programmed the same way. And so it's very, you know, it's it's the very unusual person that's able to escape from that. And as I said before, what it really requires, you know, if you're listening right now and you're not already feeling and functioning as well as you'd like to, abundant energy, completely clear thinking, um, you know, feeling great all the time, never having digestive problems. Um, if that's not you, if you're, you know, if you're not already feeling and functioning as well as possible, you want to get really, really clear what it is you're committed to creating for yourself. Because if that's important enough for you, you can do it, and I can, I can lead you there. I guarantee that because it doesn't fail, and it doesn't fail because the human body is an incredible organism. It's amazingly intelligent, virtually infinite intelligence with regard to its own needs. The problem is is that we've got all this programming that you've been talking about, we've been talking about. And so we, we lose track of our body's messages. We, we lose the connection. So we're not getting those messages. And even if we did, you know, most of us aren't paying attention to them, even if we get them. So that's, that's what the problem is. You know, if we can get back on track and learn to reconnect, so we're getting the body's messages, then we're going to see completely different results. And that actually ties directly in to fasting. You know, you know I, I don't, your average listener, I know you talk about lots of things. Um, so your average listener is, is probably not all that familiar with water-only fasting. And to the average person, it sounds crazy. And I'm well aware of this. You know, most people think, how is starving yourself possibly going to help, right? If you're going to heal, you have to have nutrition. That's, those are the kinds of lines I hear all the time. And, and I understand because I would have said exactly the same thing 25, 30 years ago. Well, and I, well, think, you hit, ago. I, hint, I think you hit the point right there is that for a lot of people, that's where it starts to get into the emotional, the mental, the psychological side of it. Yeah, uh, exactly. Uh, where we realize the, the addiction that, and excuses that food's really locking us into it's because right. people feel like I'm going to be starving, or I've tried that and I, I can't do it. I'm I'm fainting and I'm falling apart. Exactly. And so you go right well, ahead you know, with that. Run with it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know, I, I teach 
I teach people what I call the seven keys to optimal health. And it's really as simple. As I said, the body is this amazingly intelligent organism. So how we create an incredibly high level of health is we meet all of the body's needs as well as possible. And that's it. I mean, it's really that simple. And, you know, there are people right now shaking their head and going, no, that's too simple. You know, it can't be that easy. It's got to be more complicated than that. And there's actually a precept of science called Occam's razor, which says all other things being equal, the simplest explanation is usually true. So health, you know, here's a very simple explanation. Health is the inevitable result of making healthful choices, of meeting all the body's needs. Unfortunately, we live in a world today where very few people are doing this. Most people don't have any idea how to do this. So they couldn't do it even if they wanted to. In fact, let's see, um, what time is it there in, in South Dakota right now? In South Dakota, it's just going on 10 o'clock in the morning. Okay. So you know, somewhere, let's say on the East Coast, it's lunchtime, right? And there are people who are walking into Whole Foods or some other similar kind of a market, and they think that they're going to have a healthy lunch because they're in a, quote, health food store. That's, I mean, many people think, ah, well, everything in here is healthy, right? Um, is that true? No, of course not. Uh, the majority of what they sell is processed garbage. You know, it might be organic. It might not be. It, it might have pretty labels. It might be more natural in some way. But, but it's still processed garbage. And so people, first of all, you know, in order to meet your body's needs as well as possible, you have to know what to do. If you think that you can go buy any old meal from a place like Whole Foods and get as healthy as possible, unfortunately, you're going to be in trouble. And I, I spoke yesterday. I had a consultation last night with a, a man who's an alternative practitioner, and he's, his diet is terrible, and he's very sick. And, you know, as, as is often true with alternative practitioners, he kind of thinks he knows everything about health. And so maybe not so open to making the changes. And that's, yeah, that's a good example. He's never going to get the results he'd like to have because uh, unless he's willing to be open and learn a different way. And so this, this ties into the diet, but, but it also ties into the fasting piece. While it seems crazy and it, you know, it seems outrageous and it seems radical to most people, let me point out that there are approximately – I think six or 700,000 different animal species it's estimated on the planet. Okay. Something like that. And virtually every one of them when sick enough or badly enough injured instinctively stops eating, lays down and rests as completely as possible. Anytime it needs to cleanse or heal its body, this is what it does. And in fact, you know, my, my guess is Jesse that in your life up until now, Whenever you've been sick, and if you're listening to the show right now, probably you too, when you've had any kind of a health issue, you typically lose your appetite. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you know, we, we, yeah, but, you know, I mean, it, it's, you, can blame, you can blame it all on your mother, right, because your mother probably <laughs> told you, honey, you have to eat anyway. Right. That's, that's, they forced that's, us that's to right. Eat. You have to eat. you got to eat something. you got to have something in your stomach. Exactly. Right. That's, that's what we're talking. Yeah. Um, you know, and I mean, it's worse in some cultures than others. You can't, 
you know, if you're an Italian family or a Jewish family, um, you not only have to eat, you have to eat a ton. Um, but this, you know, if, if we were listening to our body and if we understood the intelligence of the body, we might want to pay attention to that message because what's going on is really simple. Processing food takes more energy than anything the body ever does. And so when the body needs to cleanse or heal, it doesn't want food. And that's why we lose our appetite because the, the virtually infinitely intelligent body knows in order to heal, it would be far better off not eating as crazy as that sounds, not eating. And so, you know, again, everything I teach in practice is based on one very simple idea, maybe two simple ideas. The first one I've already shared with you, and that is that um, our bodies, you know, the perfect health is our birthright. These incredibly intelligent bodies are designed to feel and function as well as possible. And if you look at the, the animal kingdom, wild animals, that is, because the only animals on the planet out of all those hundreds of thousands of species who are as sick as human beings are the ones that we've taken dominion over, the ones that we've separated from their natural choices. So our cats and dogs and farm animals and circus animals and laboratory animals get as sick as we do. But animals in nature rarely, if ever, do. Unfortunately, as we pollute the entire planet, cancer is becoming much more common in nature because cancer is the result of toxicity in the body. But heart disease, well, for instance, which kills and, and people, which, which is – go ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I was going to say heart disease, which affects roughly 50% of Americans, is virtually unknown in the wild animal kingdom. Well, and I, I think that this is, is true. You know, our bodies, everything is, is designed for this natural response. And, you know, the body is saying, okay, I've got all that I can process right now. <laughs> Don't give me any more. Yeah. And if you try to give me yeah. any more, we're going to have some big issues here. It's kind of like um, what I want to say. It's, you know, it's like that person who's already got 20 piles of paper that they've got to input into the computer and somebody comes along and tries to give them another 10 and then they go off the deep end and, and stress out and they can't work. And, that sounds you know, familiar. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, or, you know, you've got a, you've got a water system and it's all flowing down and it's all being channeled through one funnel out, but there's only so much water that can go through that space at a time. And if, exactly. it, you know, if you try to get more and more water than what can fit in that space to go through it, it's going to overflow. And that, that's, that's right. kind of what happens right. in our body, right? Exactly. You know, and I'll, listen, it's, you know, it's a crazy thing because, again, I'm willing to bet that I'm guessing there are probably millions of people listening to your program right now. Is that right? Um, I'm willing to bet the vast majority of them probably have that would say you know, they've never fasted before. But – it's interesting. Everybody fasts. It's just a question of for how long, right? Chances are good that last night you had dinner and then you didn't eat until sometime this morning, perhaps. And your first meal of the day was called break fast. That was a short fast, maybe a 12 hour fast, maybe a little longer for some people. I typically don't eat about 18 hours uh, every day between dinner and my first meal of the next day. So my body is fasting a little bit every single day. Now, that's not enough to create 
an amazing level of health. But everybody has experience with this, and it's not unusual to wake up in the morning for the average person with bad breath or with, with uh, slightly stronger smelling armpits than usual. Why is that happening at night when we're resting? We're not working out. What's going on? What's going on is that it's only when the body isn't processing food the way it is for the average person all day long during their waking hours that it has the ability to detoxify. So the average person is doing a tiny amount of surface-level detoxification every single night. And then they wake up in the morning, they start eating again, and very little benefit happens during the day. And it's again at night when they, they go to sleep and they stop eating and they've got a 12-hour break, that's when the body is starting to do the work. You know, the only work it's able to do is, is happening each night. What, what we do at Tanglewood is we simply take that and we magnify it by about 50 times because the average person spends 25 to 26 days with us consuming only water. No food, no supplements, uh, no, no lemon or lime juice in the water, just water, just pure water. And again, I, I know it sounds crazy. Go ahead. And here's where the programming buttons go off. Because, you know, programming says you can't do just water for these long periods of time. Or you can't, um, you know, and we know, we know we can do longer than what programming says because there's breatharians out there. They've got a guy in India that they bring into the hospital every year because they don't believe he's not even drinking water. <laughs> I mm-hmm. mean, mm-hmm. Yeah. and these sorts of things. But, uh, yeah, the, I'm glad that you brought up the fact that we're all doing this on a daily basis. Yeah, but it really right. just comes down to a matter of time. So programming says, Lauren, this isn't safe to go like a month you know, without, or a moon cycle without uh, any food. What, how, do you, how do you tell people, yeah. oh, yeah, it's okay, because I know well, myself, sure. I, I can get a little lightheaded, you know, and, and I know that that's things that are detoxing, but I know I can that's get right. a little that's lightheaded right. at times when I start off. Yeah. Um, you know, Jesse, first of all, one of the things I've, I've been telling people for 25 years is that the harder it is to skip a meal, the more meals you probably need to skip. You know, when many people, if they, if they skip lunch, for instance, they start to feel irritable, they might get dizzy, they might get lightheaded, they might get emotional, um, you know, they might have uh, stomach pains, they might have all kinds of things happening as soon as they skip a meal. And, and they think that all those things are happening because they're hungry, but they're wrong. It's not hunger at all. What's going on is because they didn't eat, they're experiencing detoxification during their waking hours for the first time in their life. You know, by, by skipping that meal and having that long stretch between uh, breakfast and dinner or you know, longer than that perhaps, depending on how many meals they skip, their body begins to detoxify. And this is why the average person starts to feel bad if they skip a meal. This, this may be hard for the average person to believe, but once the body's clean, as, as you said in the introduction, I'm now over 29 years without a single day sick, not a cold, not a flu, not a headache. Um, I've taken no drugs, no supplements, no superfoods, no green smoothies. I don't do any of those things. Don't need to. And, uh, you know, and I feel and function fantastically well on a consistent basis with a high level of energy, et cetera. So, 
I don't have any symptoms if I skip a meal. In fact, um, I, you know, I'm, I'm coaching people. Not only do we fast people at the center when we're open, we, we run, operate in nine, uh, sometimes 10 a week or more sessions, and then we close for a while so I can travel and speak as I am now. We just closed. Uh, it'll be two weeks tomorrow since we closed. And I've, we, we open again in 10 weeks. I'm going to be here in Europe for the next nine and a half weeks, speaking in a bunch of different countries. But um, not, you know, when, we, when we're open, I'm fasting people at the center, but I'm always fasting people via Skype as well. It's, it's not really as, as a, a powerful an experience for most people as being at the center with us, but it allows people who maybe can't see getting away or you know, maybe it's a financial issue. In any case, uh, talking with one of the, the people I was uh, working with just yesterday or the day before, the, this, you know, this very issue came up. And it, it's amazing how people look at this and how, how many, so many people simply can't imagine that it could possibly be okay to go this long without eating. But what you want to understand is that we store body fat now, we, we need a tiny amount of fat to survive. There are things that are happening in the body that actually require fat. And so roughly 2% of the body has to be fat. That's called essential fat. But, you know, we measure body fat as well as muscle mass and cellular hydration and a bunch of other things at the center when clients show up and every week after that, once a week. And the average person we see is probably walking around with roughly 30% body fat which is 15 times what they need to survive. Now, by the way, I'm not suggesting anybody should be a 2% body fat. Uh, if you've ever seen pictures of people leaving concentration camps from World War II or you know, some, some of the more recent wars, um, that's what people look like at 2% body fat. It's pretty scary. You know, it's, it's not something anybody would ever want to emulate on purpose. But, but the fact is, you know, if you've seen those pictures of people right here in Germany leaving those concentration camps, the ones who survived, you know, there were six-foot-tall men who were 90 pounds, and they were still alive, even though that they, they had very, very, very little body fat. Um, that's because as long as you have 2%, you can still survive. So, so why does the average person have 10, 12, 15 times that much, and some people much more than that? Why do we carry this fat? Obviously, it's because people eat too much, but why doesn't the body have some better way to get rid of it rather than hauling it all around? And the answer is very simple. In nature, there are famines and droughts and fires and floods. There are various natural conditions where there may not be much food available. Sometimes there's no food available. And so animals in nature have to be able to go quite a long time sometimes between meals. And human beings are no different. We carry this reserves because in nature, there are sometimes times we can't eat. And so the body is able to withstand those long periods of time. For the average person, six to eight weeks worth of reserves for the average person. And for those people who are, as I like to say, wealthy in nutrient reserves, for instance, I, I fastened a young man a few, a few years ago who was morbidly obese. Well, and, and, and you're bringing was, up some good points. Because, yeah. and I, I'm sorry to interject here, but I like to bring mm -hmm. in some some aspects of just, you know, 
those natural rhythms for people because I'm very pro on sure. season cycles and things like this. And yep. this is part of where when we start to look at that, why we had a harvest season. And then after we had this harvest season where everything was abundant and full and there were tons of food, you had very little food reserves oftentimes that went through the winter season. And, the, and we're not yep. even talking that long ago in the scheme of, you know, human life. We're talking, right. uh, you know, even as little as, as uh, you know, um, 60, 70 years ago where people had to put their reserves aside for, you know, for the winter season. You get back right. more into the caveman times, they weren't going out and hunting in the middle of winter <laughs> where there was snow. Um, you know, the the body had to make it through the winter months without really yeah. food. Well, you know, honestly, Jesse, you don't even have to go back that far. One of the longest-lived peoples on the planet I don't know what's happening with them now, but for many, many years, the Hunzas in the Himalayas in Pakistan lived to be 120 routinely, like a lot of people. You know, and, they, and they'd be physically active. They'd be mentally clear. They weren't vegetables like Americans are you know, at the age of 78, 79, where they've, they've already got one foot in the grave. I mean, we spend... 70% of all healthcare dollars in the last two years of the average person's life because there, there's heroic measures to try to save somebody who's already so sick, there's no saving them. But, but the Hunzas were outliving the average American by 30, 20, 30, 40 years and still being active mentally and physically. People say, some people say, well, it's because they had this uh, pure mountain stream water with lots of minerals in it. Or some people say, well, it's because they did this or that. And what I would point out is, you know, I talked about earlier about how I teach people the seven keys to optimal health. So those keys very briefly are optimizing the diet, um, getting fresh air, you know, pure, clean air, getting enough sunlight, which is critically important to our health and a real problem for many people. I'll be speaking in London and in um, the southern U.K., in a month or so. And it's very difficult for most people in the UK to get enough sunlight any time of the year. They just don't get very much sunlight there. Um, you know, it's even worse for people up in Scandinavia. I've, been, I've spoken in Finland and Sweden um, and Denmark. These are countries where there's often very little sun. So it's, it, what, what the Hunzas were doing was by default, because of the way they live, because of the natural conditions, they were meeting all of their needs much better than the average person. And one of those needs is giving the body a chance to cleanse and heal itself through fasting. Well, just as you were talking about, they had very little food. They had a relatively short growing season. They would do what they could to make their food last. But every winter, they would run out of food. And everybody, the entire population, would settle in, you know, into their beds, cover themselves with blankets, and just rest for a month or so every single year because there wasn't any food left. So they, they regularly fasted every year for a month on top of everything else they were doing. And this was one of the reasons that they outlived the average person by so much. Well, so you, even, I mean, this, this was not that, that long ago. It's yeah. funny that you bring that, that time frame up because I've always been told I would love to be 120. <laughs> yeah. 
And I was well, like, I think you, okay, I think you can. Well, I'm going to be healthy if I'm going to, you know, I'm going to make sure I'm healthy if I'm going to live that long because I'm exactly. not living that long in misery. <laughs> no, that's right. You know, and that's, I mean, I, people often tell me when I talk about living a long time, because I don't know about you, I like life. Life is awesome. You know, I'm, I'm constantly um, getting to meet incredible people and seeing amazing places and um, having the opportunity to design incredible gardens and have these amazing experiences that I've had all over the world. And I don't, I don't have any desire for that to end anytime soon. I'd like to go as long as possible. But a lot of people say to me, oh, I don't want to live, I don't want to live that long. And that's because they think of the average person at 80 or 90 or older as being decrepit, as falling apart, as not functioning very well. But, I, you know, I, I honestly believe we can live to 120 or more and be functioning oh, yeah. just as well as ever. And that's, that's what I well, intend to do. I, I believe that because I feel like, you know, our bodies are constantly restoring. So, I, I mean... Yes, on one hand, we're dying and, you know, we're third dimension, so it's, it can't hold it the same way. But if we're coming at it from a clear body, mind, spirit perspective, which means resting the physical, resting the mind, and resting the, you know, um, the feelings and the emotions and, uh, and connecting with spirit, then the body's going to be able to regenerate at a rate that is, um, you know, strong. To hold in this dimension well, very well. Let, yeah. Let, let me give let me give you an example of how strong. Now, I, you're, I'm sure you're familiar with the with the raw vegan diet, and many people have changed their diet to a diet of of completely raw, uncooked uh, fruits and vegetables only, and seen amazing healing. And this happens because when we cook food. We are destroying nutrients. We're actually chasing out most of the perfect water that our body needs, which we can't get by drinking very easily, and we're actually creating toxic substances. So eating cooked food actually makes people sick. And, again, I I know people listening, many of them are going to go, this is crazy. Come on, you can't just live on raw food. Well, you can. I've done it now for coming up on 24 years. I've got clients all over the world doing exactly the same thing, and many of them finding amazing levels of health for themselves. But I hear from people all the time. I just heard from someone the other day who said, no, I don't understand. I, I've been following this perfect diet now for two years, and I'm still sick because they've been told this diet will heal you. And so this is one of the paradigms that I think it's really important for people to understand, Jesse, and that is that there is no diet that will heal you. There's no process that will heal you. There's nothing, there's no herb, there's nothing you can take, there's no superfood. Nothing heals the body except the body because like every other organism on the planet, our bodies are completely self-healing and self-cleansing. So what makes fasting so incredibly powerful, and I mean, I'm talking about like hundreds of times more powerful than the best diet. We can get back to that idea in a second. But what makes it so powerful is that by resting completely, as you were just saying, in every way, you know, by, by resting physically, by resting mentally, by when we talk about resting emotionally, we don't want to engage in things that are going to be emotionally difficult for us on purpose, but we want to allow 
any suppressed emotions to come to the surface because we've actually never rested emotionally. What most people do is they spend their entire lives subconsciously trying to avoid experiencing their emotions. And if we can simply experience them, then we can let them go and they can stop having this negative impact on us. So when we give our bodies um, this, this rest in every way, psychic, emotionally, physically, mentally, etc., what happens is we see this incredible level of healing. It's not just healing. We were talking about living a long time, and we talked about regenerating. You know, does the body regenerate? Well, yeah. Uh, in, in fact, just about six months ago, I think, there was a study published by some institute in California that said uh, a three-day fast completely regenerates the immune system. Three days, right? Now, at the time this research came out, I had uh, a whole group. We're, we're usually full. We have... Um, we can take 16 or 18 people. And so we had a full group of people fasting with us, and they were all about 21 days into their water fast when this research was published. And so they're, you know, most of them aren't. They're, they're getting online sometimes to check email, but they're, they're not maybe as connected to the world, hopefully, when they're in the process as I am. And so at what, one of my daily lectures, I said, by the way, this research was just published a couple of days ago. I thought you'd find this interesting. Everybody got a real chuckle out of it because these people were 18 days past that point in their fasts, and they, any one of them would have told you what happened at three days. You know, there's no way the body completely regenerates the immune system in three days. What happened for them 18 days later was literally light years ahead of where they were after three days. So a therapeutic fast is typically a fast of 21 days or more. And how powerful can this be? Well, so far, in 19-plus uh, years of guiding people through the fasting process, more than 3,000 people, we have 100% success with hypertension. I, I just had a two weeks ago. Go ahead. Uh, I, and I was going to say, because I'm glad you're giving some of these examples, because I did want you to, to talk about some of those things like hypertension or like diabetics sure. who are told you have to eat, you have to eat, you can't do any of these things. Uh -huh. But I find that right. funny that even for them to come out and say, three days will rejuvenate the immune system, yeah. and yeah. yet yeah. they want to put you on medication for seven or ten days. Right there has got to tell yeah. you something. Do you want to spend three days, or do you want to spend seven or ten or 14 or 20 days on medication? Right. <laughs> well, I mean, listen, if you've got, if you've got hypertension, or type 2 diabetes, or multiple sclerosis, or um, Lyme disease, or lots of other conditions, they don't tell you you're going to be on medication for, for 7 to 10 days. They tell you you're going to be on medication for the rest of your life. And, you know, this, another critical, critical, critically important piece for people listening to understand is that the drugs that you're taking. Now, I, I'm, I turned 54 uh, a couple of months ago although, frankly, I still feel like I'm 18, the average person my age in North America is now taking something like three or four prescription medications every single day on average, okay? I haven't taken a single drug now in nearly 30 years and have no intention of ever taking one again because what, what people want to understand is those drugs that you're taking, they might, they might make you feel better. They might be helping you to control your symptoms, or at least to suppress them a little bit or allow you to live with them a little bit more easily. You know, for instance, hypertensive drugs may reduce your blood pressure artificially, 
but they're doing nothing about the underlying cause of the problem. And what we want to be really clear about is that every single drug, in fact, every single medicinal agent, whether it's a drug or an herb, every single one of these things is toxic to the body. And what's happening is the body is reacting to it in a way that gives us symptomatic relief so we feel better. But get clear, these are toxic substances. How can something toxic make you healthier? I would say it can't. That's not possible. This, this is an example of your drain is stopped up, and you're going to take and shove more stuff that, that stops your drain up down the drain. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. It's basically what you're doing when you go that way. And I know what you're saying because I know in my own healing process, um, I, I was being diagnosed with systemic lupus erythematitis. I was diagnosed with lapsing, relapsing, um, uh, multiple sclerosis. I had hypothyroid. I was insulin resistant. I was, uh, you know, among a whole realm list of other things, of pulmonary issues right. and everything else. And I said, that's it. I took myself off of hormone replacement therapy. I took myself off of uh, of thyroid medication, which they say, once you go on it, you can't ever get off of it. And I'm like, bull. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Well, that's that's true with most of these medications. That's what I was saying. I mean, most of these people are going to be told, you're going to be on this for the rest of your life, which which I think is a pretty explicit uh, saying that, we can't heal you. We're only treating symptoms. The doctor may never come and, out and say that, but if he says to you, you're going to have to take this for the rest of your life, he's telling you, we can't make this better. And, and if you had been there in my life at that point and, and come to me and said, Jesse, give me 21 days or 26 days or a month and no. let's give this a try, and if it doesn't work, you can go and do your medical thing or whatever the doctors are saying to you. Um, you know, versus, you know, life. We're talking one month versus life. <laughs> what, exactly. what do you want? I mean, yeah. I would have been like, I'm well, so there. Where's my plane ticket, yeah. you know? Well, I, you know, unfortunately, many people aren't there. But, but more and more people are becoming open and recognizing that what I'm saying here is true. You know, it's, uh, years, years ago, um, what was the... Uh, the French philosopher Voltaire, author and philosopher Voltaire said, the art of medicine consists in amusing the patient while nature cures the disease. And when he said nature, what he really meant was the body, right? So some people get well in spite of medicine, in spite of whatever they're doing, but it never happens because of those things, right? Again, we're, we're suppressing symptoms. And, and what we want to really be clear about too is not only so, I mean, you probably don't enjoy pain. You were experiencing symptoms in those years. And if someone came to you and said, listen, if you take this little thing, you're going to feel better. Well, like a lot of people, you probably would have said, yeah, okay, I want to feel better. I don't want to suffer anymore. I'll take that thing. If, if they had said to you, now, what you should know is that you're going to feel better, but you're actually going to be making your body more toxic because the substance we're going to give you to make you feel better is toxic to your body. And because the reason you're experiencing the symptoms in the first place is because your body was attempting to cleanse and heal itself. That's what symptoms are. They're evidence that the body's cleansing and healing. When we suppress the symptoms, 
we make it much more difficult for the body to do the cleansing and healing work that it's trying to do. It's like suppressing emotion. The emotions aren't going exactly. to go away until you deal with them, no matter exactly. how much you suppress them. And and it's so true because there's so many chemicals and things like that. And people think, oh, well, you know, that's, they just have to say that you could have kidney failure or something uh, to protect right. themselves because that one person out of 20 billion got that, you know. And no, it's not true, you know. And my, my mom is an example of this. She's taken tons of medications along her life. And, you know, she has very little functioning and only one kidney. You know, she has very low lung capacity. Um, you know, when I say low, we're, we're talking like like 20%, 22% in one kidney. We're talking like 22% capacity of her lungs and things like this. Right. And so these things do. I mean, basically, if we could just have the truth in advertising, like you say, on these things and say, but this will this will numb you out, you know, like drinking right. or whatever else. This will numb you out for a while. But in reality, what you're really doing is dropping, you know, the same chemicals on your lawn that you're using to for pest control. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're, you're gonna you're gonna make your body more toxic, so you're going to feel better. But you're actually going to get sicker as a result. You're virtually guaranteeing that you can't heal. In fact. What I would point out is that every time throughout our lives that we take something, you know, we, we, we treat through medicine, whether it's drugs or surgery, which are their basic two tools, we treat acute crises. Every time we do this, we're making the body more toxic. And that's what creates chronic disease. So we're actually, yeah. medicine is actually creating chronic disease all the time, yep. all the time. I can't tell you how many people I've, I've worked with. Um, one of the, the people I'm fasting now uh, uh, via Skype is a woman who had some experience with Accutane. I actually recently put a video up talking about Accutane because I've worked – I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's a, it's a drug that is often prescribed or was prescribed. I'm not sure if it's still on the market for severe acne. And this drug destroys the immune system. So I've probably worked with two dozen people now who took this stuff, and these are some of the sickest people I've ever seen because the drug completely messed up their bodies. It's not just Accutane. Every drug is doing this. That's why they have side effects, right? So, so a hypertensive medication can lower your blood pressure a little bit, but nobody statistically lives any longer as a result of taking the drugs, and they become much more toxic. They, so they might, they might lower their pressure, but they've done nothing about the underlying problem. Now, again, as I said a few minutes ago, we've probably taken now about 250, almost 300 hypertensive clients through the fasting process over the last nearly 20 years. 100% success so far. We just had a man who was uh, nearly 60, fast with us for 21 days, and he told me that um, I mean, when he came in, his blood pressure was 165 over around 90. And, and to give you a sense of what that means, normal blood pressure is, is considered 120 over 80. And for every point above normal, he was 45 points. His systolic pressure was 45 points higher than the average man, average person. Uh, for every point, you have a 2% greater likelihood of heart disease or stroke. So with 45 points above average, 
he had a 90% greater likelihood of heart attack or stroke than the average man near, nearing 50. And those are not good odds because 50% of men that age are going to develop heart disease. And he had, you know, virtually a 100% chance of that happening. He told me that uh, several years ago he'd been put on some medication, and it took six months for the medication to get his blood pressure down to normal. But understand that it was only while taking the medication. He got off the medication, his blood pressure was back up to 165 over 90. In 21 days fasting and a week of refeeding with us at the center, he went home four weeks after he arrived. His blood pressure was something like 110 over 65, which means he had zero chance of heart attack or stroke as long as he continued making excellent choices. Now, it's not just heart disease. It's not just hypertension. We have 100% success eliminating type 2 diabetes. Okay? Now, type 1 diabetes... Which, which, by the way, is a tiny percentage. It's something like 90-plus uh, percent of diabetics are type 2, which is insulin-resistant diabetes. So their bodies are making insulin, but they become resistant to the insulin. And this is over 90% correlated to obesity. So for many people with type 2 diabetes, all they really need to do is lose the excess weight. But we have 100% success in limiting type 2 diabetes. Type 1 is a little bit more, more challenging it is difficult for those people to fast. can be done, but it, they have to really stay on top of their blood sugar, et cetera, et cetera. Um, that's one of the more challenging situations. I'm glad you brought that up with that because that was one of my, my big things because I think so many people are dealing with that. They feel that blood sugar thing drop uh-huh. off when they fast. Um, how do you deal with that with people? Do you not do a, a total fast or do you have to wean them down a little bit? Or Well, um, first of all, uh, anybody who's, who's going to fast with me with type 1 diabetes, type 2 diabetes, it's not really a problem. They can, they can show up like any other client. We can put them through the process, uh, complete fast, and um, typically in 21 to 26 days of fasting, they are their blood sugar is perfectly normal. It's fine. It's in a healthy range. They've got no issues whatsoever. And if they continue making the, the diet and lifestyle choices that I recommend, which I give every client in writing when, they, when they're done, they will never see that come back as long as they continue making those excellent choices that I'm teaching them. With type 1 diabetes, what needs to happen is they need to make sure that they spend at least three to six weeks prior to fasting eating as optimally as possible to lighten the load and give the body a chance to balance itself and start functioning properly. It reminds me of a young woman who contacted me probably about nine years ago. Um, We were, by the way, uh, in the introduction, I think you said we were in uh, Costa Rica for the last 19 years. We, We actually opened just outside of Washington, D.C., and operated in Maryland for about nine years. And then we moved to Panama. And then we moved to Costa Rica four years ago, So just so you know. Um, but this woman, young woman contacted me. We were in Panama about nine years ago. And she said, Lauren, I've got type 1 diabetes. Can I fast with you? I said, well, tell me more about your situation. And she said, well, well first of all, and I said, how much insulin are you taking? She said, well, I don't take insulin. I said, what do you mean? You said you're a type 1 diabetic. She said, well, yeah. I mean, I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. They put me on insulin. But then I learned about the diet that you're teaching people, and I started following your program about six months ago, and I haven't had to take any insulin 
for over five months just as a result of changing my diet. Now, that's not going to work for everyone, um, but it makes a huge difference, a vast difference for almost anyone. And in fact, I, I'm reminded of a, of a man. I, I gave a lecture outside of Boston, oh, maybe 10 or 12 years ago. Uh, we were still in the US at the time, so it was, uh, yeah, at least 10, you know, 12 years ago. And this older gentleman, uh, at the end of the lecture, he jumped up to buy the Creating Perfect Health System that you mentioned in the intro. It's a $295 unconditionally guaranteed program that, that teaches people how to meet all of their body's needs. Um, and he jumped up and said, I want, I want the Creating Perfect Health System. So I'm talking to him and he says, you know, I'd like to come fast with you. He said, but I should tell you, because I'd mentioned it in a lecture, I should tell you I've got type 1 diabetes and I've had type 1 diabetes for 50 years. Now, he was in his 70s. He was a good 50 or 60 pounds overweight. And I said to him, uh, you know, I'm sorry, but if you've been type 1 diabetic for 50 years, I'm not going to fast you. Do everything else in the program that I teach, including your diet, et cetera, et cetera. Everything, because it covers all the keys, do everything in there except the fasting. And, um, you know, keep me posted on how you're doing because you're going to see amazing things shift. So three months later, he called me, got me on the phone. He said, Lauren, he said, you remember me? I said, of course I do. He said, well, I wanted to tell you, I'm now using one-third as much insulin as I needed when I met you three months ago. I've, I've changed my diet. I'm doing everything you teach. And I haven't, you know, I haven't fasted, but just from doing all the other things, I've cut my insulin use by two-thirds, which is amazing because one of the problems, you know, insulin is a hormone that a healthy body is producing all the time in real time. So I have, uh, I have a couple of antique watches and I've got two that don't work right now. Um, and they're still right twice a day, right? You know, because if they're stuck at 10 o'clock twice a day, it's exactly the right time. Well, if you're taking hormones, whether it's, it's uh, a woman who, you know, who, who's gotten to that point in her life where she believes she needs to take estrogen or because, you know, she's uh, no longer menstruating um, or it's because, um it's thyroid hormone because the thyroid is not functioning properly or it's insulin because the pancreas is doing its job properly. If someone's taking hormones, they might get it right every once in a while, just like that watch does twice a day. You know, I mean, think of it. It's right two seconds out of all of the seconds in a day. How many seconds are there in a day? Well, there's, there's uh, 3,600 seconds per hour times 24. I don't know what that is, but it's <laughs> a, a lot. lot of seconds. <laughs> and, they're, and they're right, the, the watch is right two seconds out of all those seconds. Similarly, you know, maybe you're roughly the same percentage of the time someone taking insulin is actually going to have the right amount of insulin in their body. Most of the time, it's not going to be right because their body is not able to give it what it needs in every single moment in real time. They're taking a dosage. And so taking hormones that way, while it may be necessary for some people based on where they are right now, it's never really a great idea, and the body never functions as well when we're doing that. So being able to get off by, by cutting it down 56%, his body was going to function much better in every way. It's, it's so true, and I know that from my own stuff, and it's fluctuating, and, the, you know, there were all these different pieces, and, I mean, they had me on massive amounts of uh, thyroid medication and hormone replacement therapy at the same time and everything um, when I was in there because I was taking regular Synthroid and then I was taking another one for the T3 
uptake and things like that. But um, right. I, you you talk about optimum optimum eating, and I want to touch on that briefly because I think we could go on for hours with you. Yeah, we could. <laughs> with everything could. that you have, it would be easy to do. But I want to touch on a little bit of things because I know part of your program is about live foods, and and people have heard about raw foods, but maybe you can talk a little bit about what live food is and maybe how that coincides or different, is different from raw food diet eating. Well, actually, I, I, should, I should clarify, and I'm sorry for any misunderstanding. I don't actually promote uh, what, you know, what some people call a live food diet. I do talk about a raw vegan diet, but it's, but it's an optimal one. I mean, what I would point out is that you know, if you look at what all raw vegan diets have in common, and there's, there's so many people with so many different ideas about what's optimal, and, and people complain about that. I mean, I used to speak at these big raw vegan events like the, the International Raw and Living Food Festival in Portland, Oregon, which went on three years in a row uh, where I was a speaker, the um, Living Now Festival outside of Buffalo. And this is all you know, 10, 12, 15 years ago. There are still events like this happening. I don't make most of those events anymore. But I used to speak at all those events years ago. And there were people who would say, how come all you guys, all you speakers can't agree on things? How come everything's so different? Well, it's because let's say we wanted to create uh, a club. And the club is going to be the, the not um, Muslim club, right? So are you a Muslim, Jesse? Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not Muslim. <laughs> okay, then you can then you can be a member of the club, and I can be a member of the club because I'm not Muslim. And you know, there there might be lots. Of, I don't know how many what percentage of the the population in North America, for instance, is Muslim. I'm sure it's a relatively small percentage. You know, maybe a few percentage points at the most. So that means 96 or 97 percent of the population would qualify to be a member of this club. But but look, what defines us, what we have in common, is what we don't do. And it's the same thing with raw vegans. What they have in common is that they don't eat cooked food. But it doesn't say anything about what they do do. So let me clarify about what it is that I believe is an optimal raw vegan diet because just eating only raw food isn't going to give you optimal health. Um, What you need to do is make sure that you're only consuming those things that actually belong in the human body. And let me clarify what I mean by that because, you know, again, as I said before, there's roughly 600,000 different animal species that have been identified so far, something like that. Every one of those species has a species-specific diet. That is to say, every gray squirrel eats the same diet, and every bald eagle eats the same diet, and every rainbow trout eats the same diet, and every elephant, uh, every African elephant eats the same diet, and every crocodile eats the same diet. You know, whereas human beings say, well, yeah, we might be the same species, but I'm a Vata and you're a Pitta, right? That's Ayurveda for people who don't know. Or I've got blood type A and you've got blood type O, therefore we have different diets. Or I come from um, Asia and you come from North America, therefore our diets should be different. You know, there's all these different ideas about why we should have different diets, but we're the only species on the planet where not every member of the species consumes essentially the exact same species-specific diet. And although this is a very unpopular idea, I would point out that that's not very likely to be the case. What's much more reasonable and likely is that like every other species, we do have a species-specific diet. Because if you look at it, we all share exactly the same digestive tract. 
We have the stomach works the same way. The small intestine is the same proportion to the large intestine. We secrete the same enzymes, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So how come some people seem to do better than others on different? Well, there's lots of reasons. It's largely about how much damage we've created to the body up until now. And it's partially about what we've been doing culturally. So, for instance, um, research, you know, there, there are a lot of people who are aware that gluten is a problem for a lot of people. A lot of people become gluten sensitive. Some people actually develop celiac disease where they can't handle gluten or wheat um, or have an allergic reaction. And what, what's true now, what's, what's clear and evident, is that in places where people have been eating uh, certain foods, not, I would say non-foods, like grains for a long period of time, the body actually becomes better able to process those things than, than it, it is for the average person who's, whose culture has never done that. But that doesn't mean we should be eating them. That doesn't mean that our bodies are actually adapted for that. It just means that there, there's been some adaptation to allow us to function better if we're putting that stuff in our bodies. But it doesn't mean it's the stuff that belongs in the body. So if we look at our digestive tract, because if we looked at the digestive tract of a sheep and a cow, for instance, we would know that they eat a very similar diet. If we could see their digestive tracts, we would know that because their digestive tracts are virtually identical. And so the digestive tract uh, evolved over millions of years as a result of what that species was eating. If two species have the same digestive tract, then they would have the same diet. You and I, and every other person listening right now, and all those people not listening to, as all human beings, have a digestive tract that's virtually identical, very, very, very minor changes, differences from those of our closest primate relatives, bonobos and chimpanzees. And what these animals live on is almost exclusively fruit, with the addition of some soft, tender leaves, other soft, tender plant parts, including shoots and soft roots, etc. And tiny amounts of concentrated protein, tiny amounts. Um, Less than 1% of what they consume is in the form of concentrated proteins. And in the case of uh, of, uh, both the bonobos and the chimpanzees, two related species, in the months where there's ample fruit available in the tropical jungle where they live in Africa, that's pretty much all they eat. They only eat these other things in the months where there isn't much fruit available. Because, for instance, in the, I live in the tropical jungle in Costa Rica, and the height of the rainy seasons, you know, the rainiest time of the year, there's not as much fruit as there is in the other months of the year. So in those months, they would eat other things. And, and the primatologists, by the way, have noticed that their nutritional intake goes down in the months that they're not eating fruit. So they're primarily fruit eaters. They're called frugivores, and so are we. So we're alive a live food diet is a diet that's high in sprouts, etc. I don't actually recommend eating sprouts. Very um, what, I, what I've lived on now for nearly 24 years is almost exclusively fruit and some soft tender leaves, which is to say simple green salads and not much else. That's well, pretty much all I've really Interesting. I mean, I, I've uh, focused on greens quite a bit um, at certain points in my life, and they really made a huge difference for me. And, yeah. and fruit is one of those things that people have always thought, well, what about all the sugar in that fruit? <laughs> you know, and that's, yeah. that's another yeah. one of those programming things I'm thinking 
you know, it but is. of course the, there's a lot of hydration that comes out of fruit, a lot of fiber that comes out of fruit, a lot of great things. And we forget that yeah. there's actually there's actually decent amount of protein or whatever else in things like uh like our greens. So um well, yeah, you you're actually right. In fact, greens uh, I mean greens contain very few calories, but as a percentage of calories, there's nothing that contains more protein than greens. Greens contain more protein than virtually anything. The highest is going to be found in some algaes. But even even lettuce, romaine lettuce is 45 to 50% protein as a percentage of the calories that you're consuming. Um, meat doesn't have that much. Dairy products don't have that much protein, much less. Uh, so, you know, but, but the fact is that we actually need tiny, tiny amounts of protein. So while the number one question that you get as a vegetarian or a vegan or a raw vegan or a fruit, you know, a fruit-based raw vegan, all of which I've done over the years, uh, the number one question is, where do you get your protein? And it's kind of become a joke because the truth is we need tiny amounts of protein and consuming more than that not only isn't necessary, it actually creates higher levels of disease and faster aging and dying. And I've been teaching this now for 20 years, but there was research published in 2013, just two years ago, that proved there is an amino acid that shows up in virtually every protein. So whether the proteins are coming from meat or they're coming from anything else, uh, soy, for instance, people that are consuming more protein are likely to wind up with higher rates of disease and faster aging and death. And, okay, and because we need this, tiny amounts of protein. This is so so ironic here because we look at the diabetics and things like that, and they're told protein, 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 protein. And right. we're told, oh, the amino acids are good for you. See, this is another one of those programming things. Got to have those amino right. acids. And you think of all the bodybuilding right. stuff out there with all these aminos right. in it. And exactly. um, we don't even realize that's a great well, example of how we well, turn ourselves down. It's down. true. I mean, you know, this, this gets complicated. and It's probably confusing a lot of people because it's not that we don't need amino acids. We do. We need them. But we need tiny amounts of them. And, and let me illustrate this point this way. Um, protein is the building block of living cell tissue. So every organism, when it's building cell tissue, that's when it needs protein. Now, when, when do you think human beings, when do we grow the fat? When do we when? When do we grow the fastest? Uh, we grow the fat when we're children, when we're babies. When we're infants, yes. exactly. You know, the, the yeah. average the average infant. Uh, you you may not remember your birth weight, but um, the average infant born today is about seven pounds, and the average child at the age of one is roughly twenty pounds. So the average child triples in size in the first year of life, consuming only what? Just like I, ideally, consuming nothing but human breast milk. The average child triples in size. We never right. go that fast again. I'm willing to bet anything. You look very lovely in your photographs. So I'm willing to bet you probably didn't triple in size in the last 12 months of your life. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I haven't done that. You'd be, you'd be trying to hide behind your garage if that had happened, right? I mean, you, you know, that's, it, it that's never right. happens again. Nothing even close to that ever happens again after infancy. And, what you know, what's crazy, I mean, here's when we're growing fastest. We never 
would need as much protein as we do in infancy. So human breast milk must be all protein, right? Right, right, exactly. Well, depending, it, it, on, depending, it, on who, depending on who you talk to and how they calculate it, human breast milk is somewhere between 25 and 4.5% protein. That's it. The average adult American is getting 20 to 30% of their calories from protein. Five to ten Which is times another, as much protein. And, and that's another diet programming. You've got to have that much. Um, you know, exactly. Lauren, our time is just slipping away. Give them a, a moment to just uh, let people know how they can reach you, how they can contact you, and, um, you know, because this is fascinating. Like I said, we could go on for hours, you and I, on this sure. subject. <laughs> well, you know, if, if you ask nicely, I might be willing to come back sometime. <laughs> I would definitely be open to that because I can I can yeah. see we have a lot that we could get into. We we could talk. I'm sure we could talk about this stuff for hours. And there's so many paradigm shifts. There's so many so many ways that we can really help illuminate the truth for people. Because again, you know, if you're listening to this day and you're not already feeling and functioning as well as possible, you can be. You can be. And what I'm sharing with you today, these are some of the keys. Now, it's a lot of stuff. It's it's you know. We're jumping around, and it's hard to to make sense of it all, and it's a little bit confusing. Um, one of the things I'll, I'll share with people here, and I, I didn't, we didn't even talk about this, but the Creating Perfect Health System is a free offer for two hundred ninety-five dollars. And by the way, it's been that price now for over ten years. Ten years ago, when I was traveling and speaking much more than I do now, um, we sold a lot of those things for three hundred dollars. And it's the price has never been raised. I've tried now. One thing we have done is we've gone from a physical product to a, a strictly digital product. So when someone purchases the product, we email them download codes, and they download all the parts. It's more than 16 hours of live lectures and seminars, all set up in a, in a rational, logical manner, so that people can learn from you know A to Z everything they need to know. There's also written material. Some of it's audio, some of it's video, some of it's written, but there's a ton of information. As I said, it's unconditional guaranteed, and it's normally $295. But for your listeners, if you're listening right now and you contact us in the next seven days, you can purchase this thing for $195. That's $100 off. Um, and it's still unconditionally guaranteed. Yeah, and I, you know, I guarantee you, you're going to take, you're going to learn everything you need to know. In a way, I mean, while we've touched on lots of stuff today, with the program, you're actually going to get all the information you need in a way that makes sense, and you'll be able to digest. You can go back and listen to it over and over again, and read through it, etc. So, um, and, you, what you can do is you can contact us at info at tanglewoodwellnesscenter.com. That's info at tanglewoodwellnesscenter.com. As you mentioned. People can go to our website with lots of information there at tanglewoodwellnesscenter.com. They can also go to my YouTube channel. I now have something like 350 videos that are live on my YouTube channel just in the last two, uh, three years. Um, I I take that back. In fact, it's exciting. Probably with your radio program, in the next few days, we're going to hit the 10,000 subscriber marks um, to the channel. There's lots of great material. Yep, we're we're putting up uh, usually... Uh, three, two or three new videos every week. So there's lots of great stuff there. There's, you know, there's a ton of stuff that's there now for people. And that's um, youtube.com slash forward slash Lauren Lachman. Or you can just go to YouTube and then do a search for my name. Um, you'll, you'll see tons of great stuff there. 
that's an amazing deal, and I want to thank you for that so much. And our time is just winding down, which is why I'm cutting in here. Sure. Um, sure. But, it, yeah, Center.com, uh is the um, the website that you can go to. Getting $100 off, that's phenomenal because I'll tell you right now, I know of diet systems and, and just getting what you need from their system going to the health food store. I, I remember in my days of nutrition supplements, so to say, spending three, $400 a month. So yeah. this is nothing. Yeah. $195 is totally cheap to go. Well, so here, here's I wanna, you know, I, I, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Jess. Uh, uh, I was just going to say, I want to thank you so much for being on the show today, Lauren, oh, and, and sharing these insights. And we definitely have to get you back <laughs> on the show sure. before we give you some more time to talk. Yeah. Uh, nope, no problem. That. I'll be glad to do it. We can, we can arrange that off air at some point. Great. Um, so, again, check out that website, tanglewithwellnesscenter.com. Um, absolutely good to have Lauren on the show and, and you go in, check out the website, get to the YouTube channel uh, those are all valuable amazing things that you can take advantage of and what's on YouTube of course is going to be free so that's that's another option just to start to get familiar with it all absolutely, uh, next week yeah. and next week on the show I will have Della Temple with us she's going to be talking about her work Walking in Grace with Grief um, you can check out all of my work, monthly specials that are going on. I'm debating what I'm going to do with the July special right now, so you'll have to just check it out when July 1st rolls around and see what I've got up. Uh, again, I'm in the Sioux Falls, South Dakota area, and I'm going to be hanging here uh, probably throughout the summer and uh, seeing what's happening, and you can hook up with me here. Gradually, I'll start putting some more events and things back up on my website with the Compassion Tour. I'm going to be testing out some free events, some donation-only events here, and seeing how that goes over. Um, so if you're around the region, check it out. And I'm probably also going to put something in for the like the Black Hills region coming up in the near uh, future or some of the wilderness areas here in the South Dakota um, around the, the suburbs of, of Sioux Falls. Uh, so check all of those things out. My website, jessianniclesgeorgeandnumber1.com. For a couple of more days, you can still take advantage of June's special deal, which is donate $50 or more to my Compassion Tour GoFundMe campaign, and you can receive a free decoding insight for yourself or someone else where you can gain greater insight and understanding to your natural flow. And then donate $100 or more, and you receive a free decoding for you and a partner or a business name, location, or some other aspect that you're trying to align with. Don't forget we've got several shows here on Main Street Universe. Don't forget this upcoming Tuesday, we've got Susan Weed talking about, uh, she's doing 13 sacred trees right now, so that's pretty awesome. Wednesday nights is our flagship show, and oftentimes Darren Bucaire, who is a reader at Madame Nouveau in New Orleans, follows that up. Uh, we're going to be having uh, Kevin Barrett. Some of you might remember him. who has been with our network for quite a while, um, but he's been lying a little dormant. We hope we're bringing out a new um, thing he's working on called New Companion, which is testing spirit energy places. So that's going to be really fun to delve into. Hey, this is Jesse Ann Nichols-George. Thanks so much for being here today. And again, thanks to all of our listeners, not only on Blog Talk Radio, but those streaming live on Penn, known as Parent Encounters Network, Stream Finder, and Talk Stream Live, as well as those that are catching our podcast at iTunes, TuneIn.com, and those catching the YouTube version of our show. I look forward to seeing you back here next week as we talk more into activating compassion. 
Don't forget, if you've enjoyed my show today, share it with others. It's going to be available at the same link in our archives, and it's available immediately after we close off. I'm going to leave you today with the song Yearning For, also known as Over and Over. It's by Shemshai. You can check out more of their work at www.shemshai.com. That's S-H-I-M-S-H-A-I.com. Thank you so much, and I look forward to seeing you again next week right here on Activating Compassion Radio. May you enjoy the rest of your weekend and have a truly amazing week. And if I could see what makes me blind I would soar to the edge of my mind And to touch what seems unreal Just to show you the way that I feel we are in time with time One with season of change inside And we are in tune with the tune Caught in a balance of sun and moon Oh, deep inside the light within Shining Balance of God and man
Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.